season. I'm your host, John Stolnes from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Coming up, we are going to scream about the Phillies series in Pittsburgh this weekend as the Phils drop two out of three to the Pirates in truly ugly fashion. Uh, we'll get into uh, everybody in the series who did poorly and uh, you know maybe we'll throw a rosebud or two at maybe some players who did okay, but not a sterling series for Rob Thompson and the big five, some of the big five members that we have been complaining about uh, as well as a couple members of the pitching staff but we are also on the cusp of the trade deadline as we are recording this it is Sunday night uh, just uh, about I don't know exactly when the trade deadline cutoff is on August 1st if that's four o'clock in the afternoon I, I totally forget when yeah, that is I but I think it's 6 p.m. I think it's actually 6 p.m. Eastern Okay, so as we're recording this, there are like 46 hours left in the trade deadline. And joining me to help break it all down is Liz Rocher from Yahoo Sports. Follow her on Twitter at Liz Rocher. Liz, that was an ugly, ugly weekend of baseball. Oh, I hated it. I really hated it. It was an unpleasant... I mean, Sunday's game especially was one of those where you were finished with it. You're like, why did I do that? Why? It was just a waste of time. It was bad baseball everywhere. No one deserved to win. Everyone deserved to lose. It was bleh. And this was one of those series. I know you and Justin talked about it. I talked about it on the last podcast. This is a soft part of the schedule. They've got these three games. They had these three games against the Pirates where you you had to take two out of three. And then they have a four-game series coming up against a Marlins team that had been struggling. They did not play great baseball against the Tigers this weekend. Uh, And then you come home and you play the Royals and the Nationals. Like This was an opportunity, and it still is an opportunity, for this team to really pile up some runs and put some open water between them and the rest of the jumbled mass of National League teams fighting for these three wildcard spots. There's no one team that has a true advantage over the other right now. And the Phillies are just trying. The advantage the Phillies have right now is the schedule, is is this slate of teams that they have coming up here. But they totally screwed the pooch this weekend in Pittsburgh. They had leads in the games on Saturday and Sunday that they lost and choked them away in much the same way that we watched this team play last year. Liz, as I'm watching this 23 team here, I'm I'm so reminded of 2022, where for 90% of the season last season, we were frustrated like this. They would have series like this, and then they would go and they would play a really good team really well. You just, again, couldn't, you couldn't pin down the Phillies. They were jello, and, and you never knew which type of Phillies team was going to show up? Would it be the team that gets the big clutch hits, that makes the good defensive plays, that gets gets the great pitching performances? Or would it be the team that's overrunning fly balls in center field, that's not communicating on pop-ups in the infield, that are getting thrown out at home on sacrifice flies, where you know the manager is making dunderhead moves over and over again this the way the Phillies played they played like the last place team in this series and the Pirates played like the team fighting for a wild card they had a four to one lead on Saturday with Aaron Nola on the mound and lost it and then they had a four to two lead on Sunday with Chris Chris Sanchez throwing a no hitter through five innings and lost it so I just you know it'd be one thing if you just lose a game but they, they had they had to win both of those games being in the position that they were in. Yeah, it it was unpleasant to watch them. I I think they fought hard, but it it felt like we were watching like another version of the Pirates at times because there were there were some embarrassing defensive plays. Um, You know, there were some very unhappy faces. There was some bad base running. Like, Sunday is just so, like, I, I watched the whole series, but Sunday is so fresh in my mind because we, yeah. I watched it just hours ago, and it, it was uh, it, it was bad. Watching that game was just, like, I, I felt early on, I'm like, I feel like this they're going to lose this. There's just not enough juice. Yeah. And there wasn't enough yeah. juice, John. There wasn't enough juice. Well, 
And this this was the type of play that we saw from them last year that had me crying big loser energy and all that stuff because they just were finding ways to lose it. They didn't they they couldn't maintain success. They didn't it seemed like they just didn't seem like they knew how to be a winning team. And then they went on that run in October. And so I don't use that phrase with this team anymore because I know they know how to win. They've they've done it before, which I think makes the makes the struggles so frustrating. What makes Nick Castellanos's fall his descent into the abyss in July was the fact that he was the most consistent player for the first three months of the season. And I think baseball may be the only sport where you can be your team's best player for three months, be one of the very best hitters in your sport, best players in your sport for three months. And then for the next following month, you he is literally statistically speaking, according to wins above replacement, had, he's been the worst player in baseball in the month of July. I, it's just it's wow. There's it's hard to it's hard to comprehend how a guy like Trey Turner, who year after year after year after year is great, the same player, the same greatness, year after year after year, and for, and and he comes and he plays in Philadelphia, and he can't string three good games together. Like I just I and that's that's why this team is so frustrating. That's why everybody gets so upset about this team because the young guys are doing it. They're, they're playing better than we could have expected. And it's these veterans, these star players who continue to flounder. Aaron Nola, Nick Castellanos, Trey Turner, the, the big culprits this weekend in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, I was excited to see Bryson Stott do so well uh, throughout. I'm going to talk about that for a minute. Because I don't yeah. want to talk about the bad stuff. Let's talk about Bryson Stott for just a minute. All right. Let's talk about Bryson Stott. He was great. Um, and his consistency is wonderful. Uh, I'm going to ask a weird question. Okay. Is the did he get hurt? Is he hurt in any way? No. no I had he's a fine. dream last night that he was. <laughs> no, he's going to have a baby. Uh, his, he and his he and his uh, his wife announced that they're going to have a baby. So there's that. Oh. Maybe yeah. Oh, congratulations, Bryson. But congratulations, yeah. fiance. To them. Sorry, That's yeah, great. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, yeah. I, no, he he's healthy. He wasn't in the lineup on Sunday, but he he has played. I know people were screaming about him not being in the lineup. Look, the dude has played like every single game, like in the month of July, almost every single inning. I, I I'm okay with giving him a day off here and there, especially against a lefty. He plays against most lefties now, so I don't I don't think this is like we're platooning Bryson Stott. Um, but he, so he's healthy. He just he just had the day off on Sunday, which I'm okay with that. But again, it's like Rob Thompson when he puts some of these lineups out. Sometimes it's a whole shift change, you know, like it's it's the overnight crew coming in to to relieve the day side, and that's that's what some of these lineups on Sundays look like. Yeah, it's a real it's a real sign how stressed out the Phillies are making me that I'm dreaming about them. Yeah. And it's actually worse in my dreams. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, I'm glad it's not as bad as your dream. What kind of injury did he suffer in your dream? Do you, do you remember? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm not so it. not just a pulled hammy was, was did he have a, an arm lopped off in, in a farming accident or something like what was I know he's from Las Vegas so they why don't really you, do that out there why do you want me to talk about this I'm not gonna talk about it just, I'm, you know I well it's more interesting than talking about the way they played on the field this it weekend is, the but Liz, I, I mean, don't want to tempt the, all right the, well, the fingers of fate or whatever I don't want I don't want you to go down a path that's going to take you in a bad place so we'll talk we'll talk about the Phillies which may take you in a less bad path and um let's let's talk about Rob Thompson's weekend here removing Ooh. Chris Sanchez after five no-hit innings and 73 pitches on Sunday the Phillies had a two-nothing lead Sanchez uh, had thrown five no-hit innings he was about to face the lineup the Pittsburgh Pirates lineup by the way this is not the Atlanta Braves this is the Pittsburgh Pirates lineup a third time through uh after the game Rob Thompson explained why he decided to take Sanchez out. He'd been dealing with some kind of a stomach bug. He had walked three guys and hit two batters, so he didn't think Sanchez was terribly sharp. He said he might have taken him out anyway, even if he didn't have the stomach bug. Um, Sanchez, after the game, said, yeah, my stomach was bothering me a little bit. I probably could have gone out and done another inning, but they were trying to take care of me. If the, if the kid's got a stomach problem and Rob Thompson is taking him out for that reason, I can't argue with that from a, from a, from, from a baseball decision, right? I mean, under normal circumstances, if the kid's fine, this would have been an indefensible removal. At the very least, 
Rob Thompson gives himself a little bit of cover for this decision, but removing him from the game gave the Pirates life. They came right out of the gate once Sir Anthony Dominguez came in the game. By the way, Sir Anthony Dominguez entering in the sixth inning was a little bit strange. I know he's still working his way back from an injury here, but um, what did you make of Rob Thompson pulling Chris Sanchez here in this game on, on, on Sunday after five innings? I mean, if he didn't feel well, they're going to take care of, the, you know, they're going to take care of him. Like if this was next month and he's like, no, I can go. I would hope that Rob Thompson would be like, all right, if you think you can go and you're not going to throw up all over yourself, mm-hmm. you know, on the mound, like literally do that. If you're not going to do that, then fine. Go out. Yeah. We're, in a, we're in, a, in a race. But like now I could see that them taking care of him. But it, it, it was not a it was not initially a great look for a guy who did not give a lot of great looks this uh yeah. this weekend you know i sir anthony dominguez does you know he does need to get into some games he's back but i don't know if uh uh trying to maintain a two nothing lead is um that that place for him right now for him to go out there and be like yeah i'm gonna get myself together i can make a mistake and it'll still be all right no yeah like, you want to try and build his confidence up. This did not do that. And he was not ready for it. Like, he was, like, straight up just not ready to face the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. Well, and it's funny with, uh, and I do want to mention one Chris Sanchez thing before I, I talk about Sir Anthony Dominguez, because I, I did want to talk about him a little bit. Did you know, Liz, that Sanchez has the lowest whip in the major leagues since being recalled on June 17th? 0.84 whip, better than any other starting pitcher in baseball. He has a 2.30 ERA in those eight starts, a 36 to six strikeout to walk ratio in 43 innings. He he's been better than a number five starter. You know he he's yeah, been, he has been he's been tremendous. Yeah, and honestly, if it hadn't been, I was rationalizing Thompson taking him out early before I knew of the illness. I was trying to rationalize mm-hmm. it like cuz he's been so good and they've protected him to a certain extent and if that's what they were doing then I'd be like yes, fine. Keep doing that. Yeah. You know, don't don't mess with something that works. Uh but I really was just trying to rationalize it because it made me feel sad. <laughs> it made me feel bad yeah. that he came out so soon and he was doing so yeah. well. I mean, I was under no illusion he was going to throw a no-hitter. No, 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 no. Nobody was expecting that either. No. But I mean, and then I, you know, look, if the, if the kid is sick, then the kid is sick. Right. Yeah. And Chris Sanchez, after the game said, he said himself, I didn't feel like I had much energy. So I, I, can, I can defend Rob Thompson taking him out for those reasons. There were many other things Rob Thompson did this weekend that didn't make any sense. And mm. he has not had a sterling job. He's not done a sterling job in his first full season as a manager, but he hasn't been terrible. The team's still in a wild card hunt. I'm not going to kill Rob Thompson. If you're online, if you're on Twitter at all, there are people calling for him to be fired, which of course you cannot <laughs> take that seriously. Um, Sorry if but, you're doing that. No, of really course. Don't do it. Just stop and yeah. exam- re-examine your choices in life. Talk, talk, you know, think it through, go outside your body and just observe yourself saying it and imagine what you're going to look like. And then, re, re, you know, uh, reinsert yourself in your own body and don't say the thing. Um, but uh, I, I will say, you know, this is also if sometimes you have to take a picture out earlier than than you would like. So yeah. Sir Anthony Dominguez, this was my, so you guys, I don't know if you remembered it, very in spring training when the vibes were so pristine and everybody was loving things, one of the things I said that concerned me a little bit was Sir Anthony Dominguez because of how many pressure-packed pitches he had to throw in October coming off Tommy John surgery the year before. And I was just a little concerned with Sir Anthony Dominguez and how he would hold up. And I think <laughs> the same has kind of played out with Jose Alvarado here with all of the high-leverage, you- high-stress innings. And if you recall, I said, no, I don't think that's a, I think that's a, a bad, uh, I don't think that's anything to do with anything. John, why well, would no, you I think mean, that? It's never going to, I think you guys, nothing is ever going to pan out with that. Because <laughs> uh, now I definitely, I, I see what you're saying. I don't know how big of a role it played, but I, I don't think it's an irrelevant, I don't think it's irrelevant to their yeah. wear and tear. No, I and and Sir Anthony Dominguez has been a shell of himself so far mm. this year. But we also forget heading into the playoffs last year, there's a reason they were using Zach Eflin as the closer going into oh, yeah. the postseason. And that's because that. Sir Anthony Dominguez was struggling so much 
as the as the season went along late in the year. And so far this year, he's gotten in 33 games and has a 4.18 ERA. Uh, the strikeout numbers are okay, but he doesn't have quite the same strikeout rate as last year. Uh, the strikeouts per nine, 9.6 compared to 10.8 last year. Um, He's giving up some more hits. The, 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 hit, the amount of hits he's given up, he's given up 10 hits per nine innings as opposed to 6.4 per nine innings. He's giving up four more hits per nine innings right now and wow. has a whip of 1.536. Um, so, so him not being really effective and them not having Jose Alvarado was certainly had an effect this weekend. But you, you need your middle relievers to to step up in those types of situations. And I don't, I'm not trying to kill Sir Anthony Dominguez, but it was one of the reasons why Pittsburgh was able to get back in this game on Sunday. But then the Phillies they get back on top four to two. But to the, give the Pirates credit as well, they kept chipping away at some of the Phillies' other middle relievers. And the bullpen has been very good this year. It's it's hard to kill the bullpen. I'm not of all the list of things to blame for this weekend the bullpen is near the bottom of the list but one of the other things that rob thompson did that got a lot of notoriety was dropping trey turner down in the order finally liz after putting him back up in the number two spot on friday night and turner responding with another 0 for five he had him hitting number seven in the lineup on saturday and number five in the lineup on sunday and again turner did okay on saturday didn't contribute really much on sunday um still just kind of there he contributed on sunday by screwing up oh yes i was gonna get it i'm gonna, I'm gonna get into bad. the litany of defensive issues that this oh, team great. had in, in in these two games but I'm, I'm glad they moved him down in the order but replacing him with nick castellanos in the number two spot <laughs> what are we Pretty doing idiot. here man I mean, you just can't move any of the guys who are actually doing well up you just can't move them anywhere else they just yeah. the guys who are there just always have to stay there, and uh, it, it's a, this is the type of inflexibility that's really bothersome because who cares? Like just put the guys who are hitting at the top of the order and see what happens. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, uh, they could no. score no runs and get no hit. It's it's happened not long ago. Can can I ask you a question? Brandon sure. Marsh has had the team's best OPS for most of the season. And that guy cannot crack getting out of the number seven or eight hole in the lineup. He has not been one, two or three. He hasn't, he's, he hasn't been anywhere near the top of the lineup the entire season. And he has objectively been probably their most consistent hitter outside of Bryson Stott from, from start to finish. They've tried a whole bunch of other combinations with different guys up front. They tried Bryson Stott leading off for a little while. But for some reason, Brandon Marsh, well, I realize you don't want to stack the lineup with with left-handers and, and go lefties one, two, three in, in the order there. So you got to, Rob Thompson feels like, I need a right-hander in that number two spot to split Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper up. But, I mean, the, the right-handers that they have on hand, put Alec Bohm in there. I would rather see Alec Bohm in the thinking. number two spot. Yes, there are guys who are hitting consistently and they shouldn't be down there. Why don't you confuse the team that you're playing by putting the guys who are statistically hitting the best at the top of the order? Like, here's a fun exercise, Rob. Why don't you cover up everyone's name and you just have, you know, whatever stats it is that you want? Now put them in a batting order. Just do it that way. And don't look at the names. Just don't. Just do it like that and see what that gets you. Because, again, the worst that could happen is that you will lose a game, which could mm -hmm. be the same thing that would happen if you did nothing or if you kept it, doing it, this, all of yeah. this nonsense. And I realize that you can't hide Nick Castellanos and Trey Turner. Like, at some point, they're going to hit. They're going to have to hit. You can't bench them. And they're going to come up with runners in scoring position, whether it's they're, whether they're hitting number two in the order or whether they're hitting number seven in the order. Like, I get that, I'd right? I mean, if you, than, you know what? I'd almost rather them hit number seven. Just see what another team will do. If you've yeah. got Trey Turner and Nick Cassianos and all those guys all the way down at the bottom of the order, see what happens. <laughs> yeah.
Like uh, Kyle Schwarber, since getting out of left field and, and DHing, looks like a totally different hitter in the leadoff spot. He's drawing a ton of walks. He's hitting for power. I when he's when he's when he's having plate appearances like this, he's having the best plate appearances of anybody on the team right now. I, I'm fine with him in the leadoff spot. And so if he's going to look like this the rest of the year, where he's drawing a ton of walks, and then when he does put the ball in play, he's hitting for power because he can rest himself in the DH spot. Great, fine, leave him in the top spot. But give me Alec Baum at number two. Leave leave Bryce at number three. If you want to have Real Muto, I guess you could have him at number four. But give me mm. Bryson Stott at five. Give me Brandon Marsh at six. Or you yep. know, I, I just get something, something different rather than Nick Castellanos, who's hitting one seventeen with a one fifty nine on base percentage and a one sixty seven slugging percentage here in the second half coming into the game on Sunday. Those numbers went down after Sunday. And and for a guy Nick Castellanos who's hitting one sixty, one ninety four, three oh nine in the month of July, a five oh two OPS here in the month of July. And and the thing that's really concerning, Liz, is he looks exactly like he did last year right now. Oh, He's yeah. doing all of the things that he did last year over the last month. And everyone remembers exactly how they felt <laughs> last yeah. year when he was doing all of this. Except, you know, we did get a taste of what he's supposed to be doing. We got a little yeah. bit of that. It just, a good taste. You know, a long it, taste. It a, exactly. Good taste, a long taste. And then it's been gone for so long now that it feels like, was it all a dream? Did that even happen? Yeah. But that's it what I mean. Happen. Like, how, did, how does it disappear? And I know what they've been saying in the, you know, to the media, uh, they, you know, the casting I can't get a pitch to hit because I just, I want to get a hit so bad that I'm, I'm chasing and Trey, Trey Turner can't, can't figure out how, you know, what paces, what pitches to, to swing at. And I, I, I do understand hitting a baseball is probably the most difficult thing to do in professional sports. I, I totally, but I'm not expecting lower rung players to play like superstars. Like what we're expecting are the players to play the way they've normally played over the course of their careers, to do their normal level of production that they've done over the course of their careers. And I just, I just don't get how it completely disappears. And I'll say that as someone who's never played professional baseball, minor league baseball, you know, high level college, college baseball of any kind. Like I get that, that I don't really understand the the struggles of, of what it is to be, to be a hitter facing this kind of pitching. But, you know, I, I just, you don't see, it's, it's frustrating. And players watching these really good players really struggle. It's, it's understandable that everybody's getting frustrated about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else I could add to that. You know, unless everybody take a second and think the worst thing about the Phillies. Pick out your worst insult. Now, don't say it out loud. Just think it in your head. Now, take a deep breath in and out. (laughs) Now, imagine all those thoughts leaving your body, just going away. Like, that's the only thing I have to add here because, like, there's I've never done what they're Mm -hmm. doing. Just like you. I don't know how they just lose it or, you know, how it comes back. Like when you rely on the combination of of stuff that they have to do at once because it's brain, it's eyes, it's legs, it's hands, it's hips, it's everything. Everything yeah. in their body has to be working together. And if like one little thing is out of place, like they're just not going to get to the place they need to go as often. So, like, that's that's the problem here. And no one knows what it is, what that little thing is. And, and maybe that's the problem Rob Thompson is running into, is that he's got these guys, he's got these star players, and he has to hit them somewhere. So he, he said, I'll put Nick Castellanos at number two and expect him to get better pitches to hit with Harper hitting behind him. And Castellano said something about nobody wants to throw him strikes because they know he's so desperate to get a hit and chasing balls out of the strike zone, doing things that he didn't do in the first half of the season that he was doing a lot in July, but doing a lot in 2022. I will say in a couple of big spots here this weekend, Castellanos got some absolute meatballs yep. to hit there he had he had one at bat on Saturday where he had the bases loaded uh-huh. and he got a first pitch hanging breaking ball that he fouled back which and got himself into an 0-1 count like that's your pitch that's the one that's because a lot of times as a hitter you only get one pitch to hit and that was bat. the one he got and, 
And that was the one he got, and he fouled it off, and he missed it. And that's really what we've – because then on the next pitch, he, he took a – he swung at a, a pitch on the inside corner for a strike. It would have been a called strike if he hadn't swung. And now you're 0-2, and everyone watching knew what was coming yeah. next. The, the low and away slider was coming next, and everyone knew he was going to chase it. So that was the most predictable finish to the at-bat. But it was that first pitch that we've seen, and we've seen it with Real Muto. We've seen it with Turner. We've seen it with Castellano. We've seen it with the right-handed hitter. Mm-hmm. on this team where they they get that one pitch to hit and they just can't do anything with it. They hit into a double play or they they lift it to right field. I mean, I, I think at the very least, guys like Schwarber and Harper, they may not be hitting a ton of home runs on those pitches, but they're doing damage on those pitches. They're hitting them hard someplace, but that's not been the case for those other guys. And, and so it's not just that you're not getting any pitches to hit, Nick. It's, it's when you get the pitch to hit, you're not hitting it. Same with Trey. Yes. I do want to say something about Kyle Schwarber. I was listening to the radio broadcast today, and Scott Fransky brought up that uh, aside from the first game where he had that weird blue double and a home run, all he did this this weekend was walk and strike out. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's it. He said he didn't even have to bring a bat after the first game. Like that's, and it was a lot of walks. Yeah, it was a it was an excessive amount of walks. They didn't want to pitch to him they because who do they have hitting in the two hole at any point? Because they didn't have to. They mm-hmm. were pitching around him because they had Trey Turner and Nick Castellanos hitting behind him. Yeah, that changes if you have someone who has actually been hitting recently. Yeah, like I kind of get like you don't want to ruin a good thing. Like they're hitting well down there. Why why move them? But like you know, or why move you know Alec Bohm specifically? But like at some point, you have to be like that's that's not a thing. You yeah. have to take the guys the guys who are doing the best and put them where they're going to do the most damage. Shall we go over the defensive issues? Yes, uh, the, let's the, the, do that. <laughs> uh, Brandon Marsh misplayed a fly ball in center field in the game on Saturday yeah. that turned an RBI single into a three-run triple and gave the Pirates the lead. Um, Bryce Harper had an error, his first error at first base, trying to turn a double play and wasn't able to get anybody. Nope. Uh, Johan Rojas had an error on Sunday, just trying to scoop a, a base hit in the outfield and allowed a runner to score from first on a single. Uh, and then you had uh, Trey Turner and Edmundo Soto letting a ball drop in between them when both were calling for it and neither one was able to communicate with one another as far as who was going to catch the ball. It actually the- went off the edge of their gloves were next to each other, like touching each other, and it went off the edge of it looked like it was Trey's glove and it just mm-hmm. nope, right went right away from them behind them. It was I was just like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> Which which was your favorite, Liz? That's that's my question. Which one of those which one of those fun fun defensive plays was your favorite? Um, I think it was the it, it was the uh, accidental triple. <laughs> <laughs> the I Brandon mean, Marsh all triple. My favorite. They're all yeah. in a way. They're all my children. They're all your babies. I know. Oh, my I sad, know. deformed babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think um, Brandon Marsh's was the most crucial for sure. Oh, um, oh that, that would hurt. It, it hurt. was a killer. It was a killer. But that game was kind of slipping away. You know, Aaron Nola was 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 giving the game away at that point. You know, and it, but that just that opened the floodgates and and really allowed. Now, you're right. That was the easily the worst of the weekend. Harper's error at first base you can excuse because he's new there and he's played so well there. Um, Johan Rojas's error was. It was it was stupid. Like that was just a mm-hmm. dumb error by a kid who made a fantastic diving play. Um, uh, was it on Saturday night, late in the game on Saturday? So just kind of a brain fart there. Uh, but and the Trey Turner Edmundo Sosa stuff. Edmundo Sosa and Trey Turner were both supposed to be, they're supposed to be excellent defenders. Sosa's defense this year has not been good, nope. and Turner's defense this year he's taken his offensive struggles into the field with him as well. Um, but yeah, those they just played some terribly ugly baseball this weekend, handing the Pirates too many scoring opportunities. Um, just, just, just awful. And then you had the, and then you had the, the, the base running issues, Liz. Um, the, the, the mistake by Harper in the 10th oh, inning of the game on Sunday. That was, um, I mean, these, there were a number of, of bad moments that you could, it just, you could feel it after it happened. You felt it in your stomach. Yep. It was just like everything drop you're just like no there goes the game 
Yep. 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 When Hart, they got second and third with nobody out in the tenth inning. Um, was it uh, was it Trey Turner hit a fly ball to right field for the potential sacrifice fly? I think it was Trey. Um, and then the right fielder has a seed for an arm, and so he threw home. And Harper went about halfway, and then started to go back. But Alec Bohm started running from second to third, thinking Harper was going to score. So Harper goes starts to move towards third base to get back. Um, and Bohm's kind of caught in the middle, so as they throw to second base to get Bohm, Harper breaks for home to try and score, and then they nail Harper at home. Uh, it was just a, a just a terrible bunch of base running by the Phillies there. Harper Had a good just defensive play. Gone. Anytime, like yeah. if you've he- hesitated, you're already dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hes- never it went. Just never hesitate. Just go. Just, just go. go. It's always better if you just go. Yeah, it's just a brutal. This is not like when you're at. This is not like when you're at the home plate and you're deciding whether you're going to swing. You're not supposed to decide before the pitch comes in what you're going to do. But this is one of those cases you have to decide if you're going to go. You leave. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll say this now that this is a series, and and by the way, how many opportunities did this team? fail with run with with the bases loaded this this weekend Seven i mean just million I, it was <sighs> every single moment they were they were failing with a runner in scoring position it, it, it was an epidemic of, and specifically of the base specifically the bases loaded right yep oh i mean it's like twice on sunday at least they had the bases loaded i'm like how do you not score there how do you not score there it was with less than two outs well, that's, that's the other thing. It's like, I don't think, and we kind of talked about this earlier in the season maybe, but the pressure should be on the pitcher in those situations. You know? The the the, the pressure should be on the pitcher when the bases are loaded. They don't have anywhere to put anybody. And the Phillies seem to go out of their way to put all of the pressure on themselves. And this is where the trying too hard comes in. This is where the... Um, you know, f- falling into collapsing into a uh, a pile of goo mentally. You know that they just have mental collapses. It's like all plate discipline goes completely out the window when the bases are loaded for this team. It looks uh, it looks bad. Like one thing I've read repeatedly this year is that they are aggressive. They're an aggressive yeah. team. They don't shy away from that. And in cases like this, where you got the bases loaded, Nick Castellanos lets you know hits the first pitch he sees into someone's glove and it is over or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's really, I've, I'm frustrated about it. Yeah, no, there's, and that's, it's the most, there is no more frustrating thing in baseball than watching your team fail to hit with runners in scoring position and fail to come through with, with the bases loaded. It is the most frustrating part of baseball when your team, when watching your team, when they do that. Um, and so, and so that begs the question here, Liz, as we approach the trade deadline now, they, they've got to do something, I think, right? You lose two out of three to the pirates. You're going to take on the Marlins in a crucial four game series coming up this week. I had said going into this series that if they split with the Marlins, as long as they win two out of three against the pirates, I think that's a fine road trip. I'm starting to feel like they need to take three out of four from the Marlins to get a little bit of momentum back, but I'm not expecting that. Um, I think if they get out of Miami with a split, maybe we should count our lucky (laughs) stars and just yeah. yeah, and then just lick your chops and hope that you can take advantage of the Royals and the and the Nationals when you get them at home uh, over the next two series after that. But uh, they, I, I know that um, there have been a lot of conversations about the Phillies going out and adding an outfielder. I just, I'm wondering what's going to be available for this team in the outfield. It does not look like the Cubs are going to trade Cody Bellinger at this point. They are red hot. They're now three and a half games outside the wild card. They would be, they would be dumb to trade players away. Now they look like they're going to be buyers here at the trade deadline. The Padres have gotten hot. Everyone take advantage right now of a team like the Cubs buying. Like someone, it's swindled them. Like, because in, just wait, as soon as the deadline is over, these teams are going to sink back to where they're supposed to be or where they were. And they're just going to have these players that can't go anywhere. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's right. I mean, I don't think the Cubs are going to make the wild card, but you can't sell if you're the Cubs at this point. You really can't. 
I mean, you cannot sell that to your fan base. You can't sell that to anybody that they may not buy really hard, but they certainly can't trade away Cody Bellinger at this point. Um, They can't trade away Marcus Stroman. They really can't as hot as they've gotten. And so cross his, cross that name off your list. The Padres have gotten hot. I think they're still an in-between team, but and they've got to make a decision here in the next, you know, few hours, but I don't think Juan Soto is going to be on the move, uh, especially because I think they feel like maybe they're starting to gain some momentum and they have him for 2024. The Phillies are not trading away. It doesn't sound like, I, I was listening to Jason Stark um, on MLB on MLB Network this weekend, and he basically said Dave Dombrowski is shutting down anybody who's asking for Andrew Painter or McAbel or Justin Crawford. Um, they're not interested in trading any of those prospects away, which takes you out of the running for guys like Cody Bellinger and Juan Soto. And the question is, does it also take you out of the running for guys like Lane Thomas of the Nationals, who is having a career year. He's over three wins above replacement. The Nationals don't have to move him, but they do have a ton of young outfield prospects in the minors who are coming up that they might want to make room for. The Nationals are in a great position where they can ask for a King's ransom. If I'm the Nationals, I'm asking for Justin Crawford or I'm asking for Mick Abel for for a guy in Lane Thomas who can really, really help this Phillies team shore up left field. I just, you know, outside of, if, if you're not getting Bellinger, you're not getting Juan Soto, it sounds as though the team's next option is Adam Duvall. That's where... I forget who, there was a writer, one of the writers had uh, the Phillies uh, looking at Adam Duvall and the fact that Dave Dombrowski was in Boston for a long time. uh, I know Adam Duvall wasn't necessarily there, but Duvall is a trade deadline guy. He's done it a couple of times. He went to the Braves in 2021 and was phenomenal for them in the second half, helping them uh, win the World Series. It sounds as though there's some, a lot of conversation about the, the Phillies and Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall on the season. The stats look real good, Liz. Uh, he's got a 123 OPS plus. He's got uh, a three a 260 batting average, 527 slugging percentage, and 852 OPS would automatically be the highest on the team. But he'd been hurt for a lot of the season. Uh, and in the second half, um, he's got an 858 OPS. So he's he's doing well. He's doing okay in July, 773 OPS. Uh, he got off to a red-hot start to the season and, and hit a home run on Sunday. So I will bet you dollars to donuts that it's Adam Duvall. If they get, if they go out and they get an outfielder, Liz, I'm, I would believe that that's probably who you're, who it's going to be. That's fine. What would, yeah. I, I can't think of anyone else. Like, if it's this or nothing, I'd say, yeah, why not? If it's not going to cost them that much, really. Like, it's... yeah. You know, because I, there isn't a lot out there that seems really uh, attainable and beneficial. Someone who like yeah. who would actually add something that the Phillies can get without giving up something they they don't want to give up and that they don't need to give up. Like yeah. doing nothing seems anticlimactic, but like if all their players are even like a, a third of the players who are doing well right now start doing well, what they're supposed to do. Like the Phillies get a lot better. Yeah, <laughs> they're just yeah. Like it, uh, I hate to position it like this is a trade uh, deadline acquisition. It's just like that because it's not like that at all. It this it they're coming closer to being the team that they were promised to be to all of us, the fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and they they really need to get. I, I know if 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 they had been able to get Cody Bellinger. The, the right-handed bad, left-handed bad thing would have mattered because Cody Bellinger is a good enough player and he hits left-handers well enough that, that that really wouldn't have mattered the fact that Cody Bellinger was left-handed. But they have missed Reese Hoskins' power from the right side of the plate. They've missed his his plate discipline from the right side of the plate. They're, they are getting nothing from Nick Castellanos and Trey Turner and very little from JT Realmuto from the right side of the plate. They, they have one hitter that you trust in Alec Bohm and really... You know, Alec Bohm is not dynamic. He had a monster two-run home run in the game on Sunday. Like, very few guys hit opposite field home runs where he did at PNC Park. And you're like, where? where is that more? Man, that would be great to see him develop that. Um, against left-handed pitchers this year, Adam Duvall has a 704 OPS. He actually has a 908 OPS against right-handers. So he has reverse splits this season, Adam Duvall does, uh, against left-handers. And I'm taking a look at his uh, his career numbers against lefties it's pretty much right down the middle 767 against lefties 757 against righties so he hits both equally well um so he he 
in that way, he makes a lot of sense, and he plays good defense. He's actually a good defender out in left field. And I think with Ro- I've I've been intrigued by Johan Rojas, and, and Christian Pache also intrigues me. But I think we're seeing if you really want to have an impact, if you want to get somebody to help you out, I'm starting to warm up to the idea of of Adam Duvall because I I do think they need something for this offense. Yeah, I I, I have no better candidates. I think he would be perfectly fine. He is inoffensive, it, largely, I believe. His stats mm-hmm. are helpful. He doesn't have a lot of power, it seems. But, I mean, he could join the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a team that's not hitting a hole. He, and, you know, he's got nine. I think he's got ten now. He had his tenth this uh, this year, and he was out for about a month and a half. So he was um, he was on the shelf for a little while, which has, which has brought the number down. I will say, too, given the fact that there don't seem to be a lot of impact outfielders, the Phillies are in a good position that they don't really need to go out and get a starting pitcher. And that's what so much of this trade deadline has been so far. Uh, the Mets trading Max Scherzer to the Rangers. Um, it sounds like Justin Verlander could also be on the move from the oh, Mets. I mean, Mets. what? A- Listen, look at him go. Oh, boy. Well, yeah, I know you didn't see the Mets selling. I know you didn't see that coming. You didn't think Steve Cohen had it in him, and no, did you? I did not think I, he had it hit him, and I admire it. He's like, this is not working. Why are we continuing? Like, it's just money. It's just money. We'll continue. We'll have to pay them still, but I knew that yep. going in. So now it's yep. just like, let's get something back for him, and we can start again next year. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I think that's the smart thing to do. Yeah, I mean, stop I stop trying, guys. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. So, I, but I will say that I think, given the fact that Sir Anthony Dominguez has been struggling, um, Jeff Hoffman and Junior Marte have a lot of promise, but I don't think anybody really trusts them in a big spot just yet. Even though they have had some good moments in big spots, they're not able mm-hmm. to get it done every time or most of the time just yet. It's kind of like 50 50 with those guys, given Jose Alvarado's uncertainty. Um, you know, do you still have Craig Kimbrell and Gregory Soto? Those guys are still really effective in the late innings. And even Soto makes your heart palpitate a little bit. They all I wouldn't be at this a, point. We're at that yeah. point in the season where the, it's always a ride. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think that um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Phillies make a splash move that it's for a reliever. If they go out, I mean, I don't know if the Padres are going to move Josh Hader. That would probably be more than what the Phillies would want to spend on a reliever because you're almost certainly giving up a, one of your top three prospects for him. Uh, the Pirates, David Bednar, we saw him this weekend. Uh, he's a two-time All-Star. He's a great reliever, uh, but they, he's under three more years of team control. So again, you're probably selling the farm in order to get a guy like that. Um, there are some other guys that that would be available. Um, Brooks Raley from the Mets is a left-hander. He's got a 2.43 ERA, struck out 40 in 37 innings. Um, guy named Alex Lang on the Tigers has a 3.80 ERA. He has struck out 54 in 42. 40- two and two thirds innings. He's saved 17 games in 20 opportunities for him, uh, for the Tigers. And um, the Nationals have guy, Kyle Finnegan, who's got a 307 ERA. Um, he's converted only 14 of 21 save opportunities, though. He's blown seven saves, so I'm not sure that I'm pitching my tent necessarily for him. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think that could really help this team to go out and get uh, another top shelf relief arm, somebody who can, who can come in in the eighth inning and uh, specifically a right-hander, I think who can come in in the right in the, in the eighth inning, seventh, eighth inning, and maybe just make it so that you're not relying on Sir Anthony Dominguez to have to have the kind of finish to the season like he had last year. Yeah. I think that's important. We're uh, we're also at that point in the season. Like I said, where we just start to hate players for no reason. And this is the point in the season where I hate every single reliever's face. I just hate them all. <laughs> I've seen them, and it doesn't matter what they've done recently. I'm like, I remember you. You screwed up last time, yeah. whenever that was. I remember it. And, it, you know, so I would never, at this point in the season, I would never say no to someone new. Let's find someone new. Yeah. Yes, let's just add a new face in there. And if the worst will happen, then it'll be a new face for me to be angry at. I, I I think that's I think that's healthy. We we need <laughs> we need new faces for us to scream at. I mean, I'm sure Sir Anthony Dominguez or Junior Marte are uh, probably tired of us uh, screaming at them. Um, 
Was there any other trade that's gone down over the last couple of days, Liz, that has been interesting to you? I know Lucas Giolito um, was was on the move, and uh, the Cardinals are starting to um, are starting to unload their team. Um, Jordan Hicks got dealt away. He was a guy that I really would have liked for them to go out and maybe try and uh, trade for for the for the back of the bullpen. Um, uh, the Cardinals say they're not trading uh, Nolan Arenado, but uh, you know we'll see about that. Um, you know, I think um, Marlins got David Robertson. We'll see. We'll see old pal David Robertson here in Miami uh, this weekend. Any uh, any move that you've seen over the course of the last few days uh, um, uh, of interest to you? Um, not really. I think some of them are like interesting and wise. Like the the deals the Mets have made have been surprisingly sensible, and like mm-hmm. the Mets prospect people I follow have been like surprised and like sort of shocked because like the deals they're doing the players they're getting are not like the ones they used to get yeah they're they actually have like like real potential in in a certain way so now i forgot what i was talking about i got distracted by the (laughs) mess yeah, no, but I mean, it's, I think the fact that, you know, you got the Mets selling, you've got the Cardinals selling, and it, there's just so few teams selling. I think that the Cubs look like they were sure sellers, the Padres look like they were sure sellers, but there's just not a lot of teams because you have three wild cards. And I'm I'm of the opinion that maybe you should, that we should take the trade deadline later into August, like make it like August 7th or August 10th, like give teams another week to kind of see whether or not they're actual contenders or not, because, you know, the Cubs are three and a half back. Now they're eight and two in their last 10 there. The the Padres, the Padres really, you know, just based on their record should probably sell, but they're kind of invested in what they've got for, for 24 as well with Soto, you know, like, would you could, what would you get for Soto at this point? Really? You've just got the Mets, the Pirates, the Cardinals, uh, the Nationals and the Rockies who are sellers in the National League. And then uh, you're probably looking at, the Tigers, the White Sox, the Royals, and the A's as sellers in the American League because the Angels are close enough that they can stay in it. The Mariners are close enough that they can stay in it. Um, the Guardians are far out of the wild card, but in the Central, they're just half a game out of first place with the, from the Twins. <laughs> so, so ridiculous. It's like a yeah. made-up division. It totally is. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's kind of a joke there. So there's just not a lot of teams out there that are selling players and that's why the prices are so high. Well, and it's selling players that you'd want. Like, yeah, the Royals and the Athletics are selling some of their players, but they have the worst records in baseball. Yeah. So, like, how many of those guys do you want? If they had some undiscovered gems, they probably had been on their way out the door by now. Yeah, yeah. And I think the only guy from those teams, like Brent Rooker, maybe... I could, I would, I could, I, I could um, talk about it. He's, but he's another low batting average, kind of a high slugging guy, high strikeout guy, who will hit home runs for you, but he also doesn't play very good defense out in left field. So, um, it's been an interesting trade deadline so far, and this is this is the time when it really starts to ramp up. It's going to get really exciting here over the next couple of days uh, as the Phillies are starting a series in Miami. There's going to be a lot of rumors starting to kick around. I will say this: like anytime you read like um, a Jason Stark story or a Ken Rosenthal story or a Bob Nightingale story, John Heyman, there's not much mention of the Phillies doing much. The Phillies have really locked things down here this trade deadline season. There are not a lot of rumors floating about the Phillies, and that's really because they they don't have a ton of big needs what this team really needs at the trade deadline is for the guys they've already paid a lot of money to to start playing well there's really that's the big trade acquisition that's the big deadline deal is for these guys that they need to play well to start playing well to start playing consistently that's what really needs to happen they can help themselves with a reliever they can help themselves with an adam duvall or something like that but none of those guys are going to be the difference so there's just not a hot rumor involving the Phillies right now because it seems like anybody who could be really, really interesting is going to stay put. So, you know, dollars to donuts, Liz, Do you what's your anticipation? Do you think this team makes a deal? Do you think it's looking like Duvall and a reliever? What are the odds you think that they, they're able to pull off something bigger? I don't think they're very high. I don't think yeah. they need anything bigger, you know? Yeah. This isn't like, what was it? 2009, 2011, you know, when they got 
Hunter Pence. Like, this isn't that type of MLB anymore. There aren't a lot of these types of deals to make because teams are, like, they're either buyers or sellers now. There's no in-between. There's no, all right, well, we've got this great pitcher, but we also have some other great pitchers that we can, you know, line up. So we're going to give you this great pitcher. You give us these other decent players back. Like, there isn't a lot of that anymore. Yeah, and teams aren't giving away prospects either anymore. No. Like, this is, it makes this less exciting. Like, you mentioned, you know, extending the trade deadline. But, like, why? Like, yeah, you'll see where you are, you know, and what you can, you know, you'll know further, you know, further in time you'll know. I thought you might have more sellers that way. Maybe, but, like. Then why have a deadline at all? Why not make it, you know, September until, you know, a certain point in the season? You know, why have a trade deadline at all? You know, like <laughs> NFL, the NFL is trying to figure out what to do because they realize that trade deadline, you know, stuff is exciting. and It's the yeah. only thing about their sport they really have not mined or money monetized yet. So they're yeah. about they're about to do that. You know, they they want to get that type of excitement and their their trade deadline is so early. It's really impossible. They need to move it back. But they do. I don't think MLB moving theirs any further back would help. I It would feel meaningless. Like, just don't have one. Or if you're going to move it up more, like, have it be the beginning of September, middle of September. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see that. I, I can see that, you know argument but um i i think right now it's where it is and, and how it's structured it there's and with three wild cards there's just too many teams that can convince themselves to say yeah we're still in it and, and that's maybe that's good for baseball you know i don't know maybe that's maybe the, the larger point is that's good for baseball to have more teams in it more teams believing they can win more buyers out there um but it i i just and you know what will be proven wrong we just saw max scherzer get get dealt we're going to probably see justin verlander get dealt some big names are going to move it just probably will not involve the phillies um this time around which i'm disappointed in because um, those trip big trade deadline deals man they help the podcast numbers and that's <laughs> that's kind of that's really yeah, that's one of those yeah. I, I would love that um all right, Liz, as we uh, finish up here, episode 699, Philly's getting ready to take on the Marlins for a big series. Um, any final thoughts for the folks as we wrap up the pod? Uh, not really. I'm excited for another week of baseball, and I hope it's uh, I hope it's certainly better than this weekend. That's all yep. I've got. I've got nothing special to say. Just p- less painful baseball, please. Yeah, one of the things the Phillies can do to help erase this series in Pittsburgh is to take three out of four from the Marlins, who have been struggling coming into this series. And uh, the Marlins jumped in front of the Phillies in the National League East for second place now um, with the way the Phillies played in Pittsburgh and the Marlins taking two out of three from the Tigers uh, in Detroit. So uh, the Phillies can jump back in front of them and, again, make up some ground, uh, put some ground between them and other folks uh, by winning this series against the Marlins before heading home for what we think are going to be a couple of cookies in the Royals and the Nationals, but given this baseball team, you You just never know. You just never know. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. My thanks to Liz Rocher. And uh, we missed Justin on the podcast tonight, but Justin uh, is enjoying some uh, some Sunday night baseball himself uh, at the uh, at the ball yard. So uh, we will talk to him coming up this week. Folks, make sure you're checking out the Hit and Season Patreon. we got lots of good stuff over there. Go to patreon.com slash hit and season. Um, and, uh, oh, as we're wrapping up here, Liz, the Angels are acquiring outfielder Randall Gritchick and C.J. Crone from the Rockies, so you can cross off Randall Gritchick as a possibility for the Phils um, for the outfield. So just gonna, th- that's what I thought might happen as we were recording here. One of those little things might pop in there. Um, so Randall Gritchick and CJ Crone. The Angels are gonna collect every mid-tier player they possibly can. Yes, they are, and still fall two or three games short of the wild card. Um, but yeah, so that's basically how that's going, folks. Uh, make sure to check out BillyPen.com also each and every day, and you can find our landing page there as well. It's at BillyPen.com slash Hidden Season. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hidden Season. Hidden Season.